So for the last several weeks, we have, or last couple of weeks, we've been really looking at strengthening our resources for meeting the challenges um, that, that are a part of life. Uh, we've looked at catching when we go into autopilot, um, also known as unconscious reactive mode. <laughs> this can be a, um, somebody last night described it as being the gerbil on the wheel. Um, where they're just going and going and going and going. Uh, it can either be that kind of push to go or it can be a shutdown. And then learning to track with compassion, whatever we're noticing with that. And importantly, with the tracking with compassion, being able to recognize a very helpful choice point that's always available in some form or another. And that is either moving towards the challenge or looking for some sort of health, healthy, skillful way to step back, to reground, recenter, re, um, um, strengthen our resourcing. Uh, in order that we can come back and meet whatever it is that we need to meet. If uh, you missed the first two and they would be useful for you, they are on the podcast. Um, so you're welcome to look there. And I'm also getting better at um, posting this part on YouTube. So I'll likely get it up on YouTube um, as well. Today, what I really want to look at is that choice point and, and this skill of pendulation uh, in working with the, the choice point, what we did in the meditation. So pendulation is this back and forth movement between regrounding and meeting the challenge. And it really comes out of a very deep listening that allows us to move forward in a way that is in tune with what our nervous systems can handle. We are indonated in this culture of no pain, no gain, strive, push, on and on and on and on. Or a way that I'm hearing it said more often that really, <laughs> really like sends shivers up my spine. You just need to get your big girl pants on. <laughs> Hearing that one a lot. And, and these, these messages are supposed to ring in the background with Rocky theme music heroics kind of going on with it. And the result of such a strive and push culture is that we are taught from a very young age how to override the information of our bodies and our nervous systems. And we have been taught this so effectively, we often don't even know how to hear that information anymore. So I just wanna pause right there for a moment and say, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that there's not a place for strong effort or giving ourselves some sort of motivational speech that helps spur us on in a useful way. What I'm saying is that we are so so pushed in that direction that there is this tendency to constantly override 
the voice of our bodies and our nervous systems. And so we learn to push until we either injure, burn out, or shut down, or go into some sort of paralyzed place. And then we judge ourselves badly for being some sort of failure. The other day, my daughter and I were driving somewhere and I saw a man uh, jogging down the street and he was, um, he was just in obvious pain and distress and still clearly straining against it, clearly pushing forward in a way that felt like you were watching him injure his body. It almost looked like he had some voice in his head yelling at him, push, 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 even as his body was yelling, stop, stop, stop. He was really uncomfortable to watch. And here's what's really interesting to begin to recognize. How often to some degree or another are we doing that to ourselves? Um, either the strained push forward or the flip side, the shutdown, um, and not able to get um, anything done, or bouncing between these two extremes, thinking that's all there really is. When we don't understand yet the art of mindfulness practice, we can fool ourselves into believing that there's no other choice available to us in a given moment. One of these two options can feel like that's all there is. And it's so helpful to reclaim our right of choice in any moment and really recognize that there are always choices available about how to respond if we learn to train ourselves to open up to their possibilities. And if this is our worry, these, these choices are even um, especially available when we want to, to be in that high accomplishment um, place, if that's some sort of goal that we're worried about. Um, we often have this sense of, I have to push or I won't get anything done. Um, I won't be able to do anything. And I just think back to um, watching an athlete at the height of their game. There's definitely effort. I mean, there's definitely effort to get to that place. But when you watch an athlete who is in a balanced harmony with themselves and knows how to put that effort in at a place that they function well and in balance, they're just beautiful to watch. The example that's come into my mind, um, uh, I one time watched a little clip on YouTube of Michael Jordan making six three-pointers in a row in an NBA game. There was no strain around that. It was just this magical, effortless efforting flow. And when we can take that kind of effortless effort, into the whole of our lives, that's when really remarkable things begin to unfold. And I say this from the place of having spent time with both Mother Teresa and Thich Nhat Hanh 
and being able to feel this powerful energy combined with this palpable ease that was right there, both in, in harmony um, um, with both of them. So there's this kind of grace and right action with ourselves and the world that grows out of being able to deeply listen to a harmony of body, mind, and heart, and have a lot of respect um, uh, and honoring of that harmony that's possible with body, mind, and heart. And what's interesting is that we're naturally wired to do this. This is part of our makeup. When we are not overriding these messages of, of the body um, or the heart, we really start to uncover this natural, beautiful wisdom that's already here. The basic way to get there is to honor the choice point of when to step forward into a challenge and when to step back more into resourcing. So I mentioned uh, our new cat uh, at the beginning of this. And by watching her, it's been really sweet to see how this wiring is naturally part of a mammalian nervous system. It's just already here. So for a variety of reasons, about a week and a half ago, um, one of my daughter's two cats became mine. <laughs> uh, and she moved in here. And watching Cleo find her footing has been this profoundly beautiful example of just a natural ease of pendulation when a nervous system hasn't had its instinct to, to honor um, overridden. So Cleo is about two years old and up until her movement, her move to my house, uh, she's never been away from her brother in her life. She and her brother have come here to visit in the past, but when they've come in the past, they've always, you know, always come together and with Irina, their mama. Uh, and in that case, it's just fun to put them in a new environment and watch them go with this like strong curiosity of, ooh, what's here? Whoa, what's behind that door? A basket, let me check it out, under the bed. And there's like this glory of exploration that happens between the two of them. So this time Cleo came without her brother, never having been separated from her, from um, him before. And that open, strong curiosity instantly replaced with a need to find a safe hiding spot under the sofa, straight there. With her brother at her side, she felt resource to explore our space. Without him, she had a completely different need that she allowed herself to honor. I mean, it wasn't like a cat question. And it was really beautiful to watch how she knew how to pendulate. Nobody needed to explain this to her. She didn't have to listen to a talk about pendulation because her own internal trusting of her instinct had not been overridden by our society or trampled on by our society. 
So she would hide, she'd hide under the sofa, she'd come out, she'd sniff around a bit, brush up against my leg, and then kind of slink right back under the sofa, wait until she was ready, come out, repeat. Very slowly, you could see her, her exploring, getting a little further, a little further, um, maybe even a short cuddle with me, um, and then back under the sofa. And after about a day, her home base had shifted from under the sofa to on the cat tower. But if a loud sound happened, she was right back under the sofa. So now like 10 days later, she's in a totally different place. And most of that big, strong, young cat curiosity is back, but not all. This is a huge adjustment. Given space to learn, continue her adjustment with her natural time, the, you know, her whole self will reemerge and blossom when it's ready in this new space. So there's this natural wisdom for working with challenges that's available to us when we learn to re-listen again to what's happening. And this takes practice for us. It's not as easy for us as it, a cat with a basically healthy, strong nervous system that hasn't had impacts um, versus most of humanity that has carried years of alienation from our bodies and hearts. Um, not to mention any trauma wounding we have on top of what we carry about the general society message. So we need a practice to be able to re-attune our ability to listen deeply to the wisdom of our own body, mind, and heart. And it starts with compassionate tracking, being able to notice pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, and developing a skill of pendulating, of moving between them in a way that allows our, our nervous systems to build up the reserves needed to meet the challenges that we face. So I think I'm gonna stop there. And let's take a moment to pause right now. I invite you to notice in your own life Where have you felt that push to override your nervous system? Maybe it's just a busy day that you feel like you have to, you have to rush through to get from one side to the other. Maybe there's something that's been stronger. I had a job once that I hated so much. It took me 15 minutes in the parking lot every day. I had to plan in for it to get the courage to walk through the door. That was a massive override. What do you know about that for you? Or where does your nervous system just get burnt out? and gets into that sort of collapsed place.
What is it like right now to begin to play with this choice? Just noticing pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, without judgment. How might bringing some willingness to drop back into regrounding over and over change the quality of your day? Thank you.